everyone, welcome to the Ukestuff podcast. Today, I have with me Spencer Gay, who has written a bunch of materials and made them available on the web at ukeeducation.org. I'm going to bring Spencer up here in the screen. And uh, before I have Spencer introduce himself, I do want to let people listening to the podcast on audio only know that at one point in this discussion, we're also going to pull up Spencer's website and take a look at it. So realistically, this podcast is best served probably watching rather than listening to, but just want to let you know that. So Spencer, tell us a little bit about yourself and your about what you do and how you came to the ukulele and why you do what you do. Well, I uh, loved music as a kid. I uh, took piano with my friends. I studied guitar when I was 14, and the guitar teacher was teaching me an F chord. Uh, I remember it was Moon River, and I was just, you know, it's not easy for a 14-year-old to get, get your hand in the right position. And I had sports teams and social life and so forth. And it, uh, that did not, was not successful ultimately. And, uh, I still love guitar, but I put it on the shelf until I was about 40. And, um, I had a 1915 Martin, uh, parlor guitar. And I said, well, maybe I ought to just get that repaired. There was a great repair guy in Charlottesville. And, uh, I did that. And, um, Decided I would study classical guitar, which meant I was also reading score and playing music I wasn't familiar with. And the next, when I showed up for two lessons without having played in between the lessons, I said, aha, you know, I have a busy medical practice. I have uh, two wonderful daughters at home. This is not happening right now but I, I want to make this happen. I want to be able to play guitar in the nursing home. So that was my thing to myself. And, uh, you know, I've played music. I knew like Beatles songs out of books I bought. And, uh, when I would go to a medical meeting at a new city, I'd go to the music store. I must have 10 slides just because I'd want to buy something and a lot of books, uh, of, uh, of music. And, um, I loved all that, and I loved learning to play guitar to a certain level. And then we had a little trip to Maui, and I said, you know, I'm just going to look on Bounty Music's website and just see what I can see. So I found a, a Pono Uke that was I was somewhat deserving of about the about the price price point, and I said maybe this is my Uke and. Uh, I had enough time while everybody else went to Costco to go do go buy the uke and the case and get back. And, and so I was in a hurry, although the guy who I was negotiating with did not know that I was in a big hurry. So I came back with a, a Pono that's just lovely. And um, I played that for many years. Then, uh, then my son said, well, uh, would you be interested in putting together a kit and I said, sure, we'll do something together. He's um, born in 1975, so he's he's got kids of his own right now. And uh, we put it together. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we decided to make the forms 
and the other things necessary to make ukuleles. So I kind of got into that while I was still practicing medicine. And I was always had a shop and had done a lot of wood carving with uh, Northwest Indian masks and so forth. And it was just great. It's, it's amazing to get to work with wood like that. And sort of the, the point I love is you get the, the, you put together, you get the strings on, the strings kind of settle in a little bit. And then all of a sudden you hear this voice come out of these pieces of wood. And each one has a unique voice. Uh, I'd never make two the same. So the, it's a, somewhat of a surprise, but it's a pleasant surprise. So what year did you go to Hawaii and first see those ukuleles and decide to get into it? About 2010, I guess. Okay. And um, maybe 20, 2005, just guessing. I went, went a couple times during that period. Um, so after I had the uke, um, I found myself driving to Richmond and up to Northern Virginia to, uh, ukulele clubs just to have some community. And it was just great. I, you know, that's one thing about the uke community in general. It's very accepting and, um, supportive. So I managed to write a song as part of a, um, uh, songwriting workshop with Victoria Vox um, and um, Ukulele Gal, which I will post on on YouTube one of these days. But uh, that's that was a fun song to write and um, fun to play. So I'll do that. Put it up with the with the tab. So um, you started making ukuleles. When did it shift to writing? resources and I think teaching and when when did that change happen in your life? Well, as a result of going to the Northern Virginia Club, I learned about a, a, something called an Ohana Week, which was on the big island near Pahala, town near the volcano. And it was slack key and ukulele and hula and so forth. And I went and it was just great. It was ukulele before breakfast. You know, you'd wake up and there'd be music playing. There'd be kids running around with ukes all over the place. I got to meet Reverend Dems Kamakahi and uh, Herbota Jr., Kiyoku Kamuhoku, and um, James Hill. I remember taking a course called uh, Classical Uke with James Hill. I figured we would be playing old Hawaiian tunes. No, no. It was Vivaldi. And we all had a separate piece and it was, you know, just fantastic. James, a wonderful teacher. And I sort of got it in my mind that I would maybe take his course if, if you know, things worked out. And I also decided to start a youth club here in Charlottesville. And that's been going monthly, except for the pandemic months. And we've had a lot of fun with that, with playouts and so forth. But... Um, I did go for the uh, JHUI, the James Hill Ukulele Initiative, and uh, it was a lot of work. I um, James has you fill out one of these. Um, if you look down practice the log. left side of the, yes, yeah, a practice log. Really, and, I'll uh, zoom in to you so we can see that a little closer. Let me, there you go. 
but it's a uh, you could do this on any line piece of paper. It doesn't have to look like this. I've just, but it, the main benefit is that it has one line per day, and what you did on that day. In this case, I've broken it down to, to notes and bending and uh, chords, scales, and so forth. But the benefit is it shows what you've done every day. If you got an empty line, there's an issue. For the uh, James Hill teacher training course, we had to submit these as records that you had done something. And um, it served for a great deal more than that for me because you had to think about what I'm going to do today, think about what I did today. And so this in itself was a great training tool, just a piece of paper. You know? Yeah, systematic practice, right? Yes. And um, the other funny thing that happened with um, with the James Hill course was that I was get, scratching around getting my things together for my trip up to Toronto. You meet once a year for a week and um, I get my passport together. I took a look at it and said, oh, OK, it expired last month. I see. <laughs> Maybe I'm not going to Toronto. And, um, yeah, I looked at all the options they're not pretty these days for how to get a quick passport not happening. And so I said, well, James, let me move my tuition up a year and said, you can study with us this year. If you want to, you won't participate in any of the, the um, testing parts, uh, but you can, you can work on it if you want to. And so I had a year to teach myself and that was probably the best thing that, could have possibly happened to me and that I had to, to break things down so that I could understand them. And I wanted to learn more about uh, jazz music progressions. And uh, so I started working through some jazz songs and trying to arrange them. And uh, I had some unsuccessful trips through Table Edit, for example, you know, everything you you can't get everything for free on the web apparently right. and that was one of them but um anyway I, I did finish out the the james hill course and it was a, a wonderful uh thing to have been through and a great community of people as well so as in addition to the great james hill so if you've if any of your listeners have not seen him look for um Look for his explanation of uh, chord melody. Sometimes a two-part explanation, and uh, when he when he introduces it, he plays um, English Country Garden as an introduction. You may not be familiar with it. I didn't know that was the name of it, but I said, "Boy, that's familiar." Written by Percy Granger. So I searched around, finally found that, and I decided I would. Well, I can write that down. I can can sort out what chords he's using. And then I realized he hadn't played the bridge, so I had to then write the bridge and um it was a great exercise and not that easy to play you know but then again james is, is no slouch now when you started taking the james hill initiative what where were you at in terms of skill and and what's what major skills did you find kind of growing through that that experience you know what i'm saying like do you know where you were at when you started and kind of where you ended and what skill you most developed during that time well i th i think a uh, 
where I was then, I could play at an open mic comfortably going in. Uh, so that was helpful uh, to have some skills in that regard. And I really wanted to see why music seems so complicated. I guess what I found out was that it's not. And uh, people will think I'm bat, you know, but it's like, I mean, I, when I was uh, practicing medicine at the University of Virginia, I worked with residents and fellows and medical students on educational websites. That's what I did for, for them and for me. And they're still working. You know, I'm teaching medicine, but I don't have to do anything right now. I've just revised them a couple of months ago. But I realized that it doesn't matter if the topic is is may seem complicated. You can make it understandable to almost anyone if they are interested in learning that. And so that's what I discovered with music was that just take the 12 tones and learn to write a scale. If you can learn to write a scale, you can learn to write a scale in any key. If you can learn to write a scale in any key, you can transpose to any key. If you can learn to write a scale, you can learn to write a chord. I don't know. There, I'm sure there are other things that are important, but that would get you a long way. And many musicians that perform don't have those skills, which is too bad because it's not that complicated. That's my point. It, yep. it should not be it, it, the way the way it was taught to me. It was complicated. <laughs> And so I'm for I'm for simple and clear. Well, I think your understanding of that is is really spot on. When I used to teach, you know, I used to teach at the high school level. I currently teach elementary, but when I was teaching at the high school level, I teach theory sometimes, and I always had two types of students. I had students that were like college bound to become a music theory major or music, you know, music major in college, and that's a whole different mindset. And then I had students that were guitar players that wanted to learn how to write their own music. Those were the two types of students that I had. And I always taught theory from the concept of, you know, notes are organized into scales, scales are organized into chords, chords are organized into progressions, and then progressions become larger phrases and then, you know, complete works, right? And the whole thing. And it was always very systematic for me. So what you just described is exactly the way that I used to teach it in high school or to my high school students. Go. So, I, yeah, I think we're very like-minded on that. You just came around it from a different standpoint, you know, and it shouldn't be that complicated. Down the road, there are a few things you have to learn, right, in terminology. But beyond that, once you have these basic concepts, and by the way, guitar players, and this is before I ever saw ukulele. I mean, I saw ukulele, but before I ever played it or before I ever saw students playing it, um, Guitar players, as soon as you started talking about notes being frets away instead of like half steps and whole steps and that, their a light bulb would go off in their heads and suddenly they'd be going, oh, so a major scale is two frets, two frets, one fret, two frets, two frets, two frets, one fret. Oh, okay, I got it. Rather than the terminology of half steps. So finding those common places with those guitar players was really pretty amazing. Now, again, that doesn't reflect like changing strings, you know, as you play up the scale. But no, but it, it, that's what you know, tabs for. His name, you know? and, and actually that's what I came to. I decided to chuck the whole step half step because I, it was confusing, hard to remember. 
and 221-2221 is like a phone number. Yep. So I was not over the top with uh, mnemonics or anything, but I thought that was so important that you be able to write a scale. And for a stringed instrument rather than a piano, you're just talking about steps. These are all yep. steps. So it's 221. Yep. You can play any scale up the fretboard. So then you're, that allows you to be free. You don't have to remember that there are two flats in the key of B flat. You can come to it by starting on B flat and working it out. You know, you have a formula that you can, that you've memorized. So that was a uh, light bulb mo moment for me. And I have, when I, in, I did teach in middle school, I taught uh, some learning disabled kids, which was, a challenge and I had to write a basics book in order to have something to, to teach them. So in order to do that, I put some simple songs together and um, it was very rewarding. I did that for a couple of years and um, you know, uh, we, we got a donation of ukuleles from uh, Dave Matthews bands charity. And oh, cool. um, we had a lot of fun. And some are still planned today, which was the the idea was to have fun, number one, and two, to keep doing it if, if you can manage. So there, we there had are a ton of questions there, too. So with that middle school program, did you propose it or were they just looking for a teacher and you stepped in? How did that happen? <laughs> well, that was funny. Uh, yeah, they they asked me what I thought about it. They had, they had uh, a proposal that, that wasn't completed. So I thought I might be able to help with a grant proposal like that. And I was able to punch that up some, and then they were lucky. They had, they had booked Victoria Vox for a week. Who's a wonderful person and a great teacher. But I was surprised that I was the only person in the room that, that didn't understand that one week, plus 20 ukuleles plus Victoria did not mean that these kids would learn. You, mm -hmm. you know, none of us learned this in a week. So uh, I said, I'm going to have to do something. I just stepped up and did it. Um, and I volunteered to do it once I saw that, what their view of what was going to happen was not going to be successful. So I just said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll show up and teach a couple times a week. I learned a lot. <laughs> You know, as as you always do, and it had was you a lot of been fun. Teaching at that point, or had you had you already gone through the James Hill at that point, or is that before that? Yes, yes, that would already been through James Hill, and that was useful because part of the time we were we were teaching on a stage and and using uh, music stands with two people together. That sort of techniques that he uh, teaches was useful because we had to deal with deal with that set up some of the time. You know, I also had the homeroom set up where people are eating their breakfast as well as playing ukulele, which wow. is weird, but it's the way it goes. Was that during the school day or is that like a summer sort of thing? Oh, it was during the school day. First, first class. So, oh, wow. so it was, it was great. And I love the kids and you had to adapt your style of teaching. Uh, I'm, somebody when they're teaching for instance i uh, developed a blues course to benefit the um the local musicians group uh there's a teaching organization called the front porch here in charlottesville and uh that 
a lot of the local musicians teach there. So I volunteered to do a, a four week program for free and said, I'll teach how to play blues on the ukulele, except I didn't have any material, except uh, I knew how to do it. But I, then you had to examine what, what you're doing, how to write it down, how to get it just right, how to explain a shuffle rhythm. And so I wrote those four modules and that are sequential and a listening list, which is killer. You know, that's easy to come up with 40 killer blues songs and a blues songbook. And I also wrote quizzes because I think, and the, the people taking the course were encouraged to, to take the quiz and then bring it back to class and correct it themselves. I'm not interested in what they got, but I'm interested in what questions they couldn't answer because that's, that's really the, the, the issue is why can't we get the answer to this one? So that, that was a lot of fun to put together. And I just repurposed that. I taught the same course to a group in Calgary. They contacted me to say, thank you for putting up this website. And I said, you're welcome. And what else is going on? And they said, well, we're, I said, well, I could teach this blues course if you wanted to, it's four weeks. So I got to revise it and make sure all the answers were correct and so forth, you know, again. And uh, I also adapted it to baritone. So I was teaching both. I have two courses essentially. Uh, and that was very rewarding. Bunch of nice people up in Calgary. And we were doing that by Zoom, of course. And I realized that all of us, I'm talking about the one, four, five chords in module one. And I realized everybody's not going to be there. And so I needed to write, write a scales and chords module that I taught for week zero, I guess, okay. which are, I had a lot of that material, but I decided to put it all okay. together. And um, it, that's been helpful. So I the you know, as you go along, you tweak the stuff you already have, put it together in, in more readable and understandable format and you end up with something useful, hopefully. So the very first thing that you put together was that chord melody of James where you added the the extra part, right? Is that correct from, from your time in Hawaii? No, I, I, I did uh, probably Brahms Lullaby first. Okay. It, it's simple song, just trying to figure out how to, to, to write a chord melody as far as that's concerned. And I used to have the book organized in in terms of difficulty. So okay. there were a bunch of easier songs at the beginning. And uh, and then I had it alphabetized for the um, Tin Pan Alley type of songs. And I decided that was foolish. And I just put it all alphabetical. And now I can find what I want. And you can look for a, an easy song just like I can. So anyway, that's so, where we are with that. So you started off with that one song. At what point did you find out that you had this collection and you wanted to package it all together? Well, that was uh, just it. I, I enjoy, I found out I enjoyed doing this. It was, it's like doing a crossword puzzle that uh, then you can put up in front of you and, and play. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that with the crossword puzzle, by the way. So, <laughs> but, but you can, 
you can play a song that has been in your ear. You go, God, now I've made it available on the ukulele. This is great, great stuff. And uh, so I did 10 or 20 of these songs. And I said, well, these are, these are playable. I, I think what I want to do is put them into a book. And so I had them bound at uh, Staples. I got a black back and clear front and spiral bound so it will sit open. And I'd sit out and watch the sun go down and play chord melody stuff. And it was very enjoyable. My wife liked it. So it's an easy thing to continue to do. And like I said, I never really intended to make a website. You know, it wasn't till I acquired a critical mass of stuff that I said to myself, you know, maybe I, I want a different way of sharing this. I mean, uh, I went to the my final year of uh, James Hill and I shared some memory sticks with some folks of this, this uh, the chord melody book, which was much smaller than it is now, but, you know, just, say here, you can use this with your students, you play it, whatever. And then developing it on the web was not something that I was unfamiliar with because I had done that sort of teaching um, in medicine. And I use Squarespace for this, for the vendor, for this site, which was easy to to mess with. The, um, the medical site through the university takes a lot more wrestling to get in and out of. So this is simple. So let me take you back to the James Hill initiative for just one second. Um, a lot of the the James Hill stuff is in D6 tuning. Was Were you in a cohort that used C6 tuning, or how did you handle that thing of the, the tuning issue? It's unusual to run into D6 tuning in the U.S., you put it that way. And it's much more common to run into it in Canada but it's still less common than C6 tuning. So it's just his, it can be either one. Most songs are written, uh, the most commonly used chord for songs is C. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why would you want to have Make to play that? Flat chord. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if, if you got it together, I understand there's, there's lots of different ways and, and D6 may be right for a lot of people. And in certain situations, you know, it really can shine with some songs, but um, for teaching in particular, and it's one reason that, that, that James goes with linear tuning. So you get these extra four notes. So that you wouldn't ordinarily have with the reentrant tuning. And it's also easier to understand something that is just in the line, you know, low to low to high, doesn't come back around. And um, so I've just continued with that. And I sometimes play high G if I happen to have one in my hand, you know, chords are the same and you try to take advantage of uh, the places where you can use the high G on your thumb. So the students would be both, in C6 and D6 tuning, depending on what their preference was? Or did, how did that work? He would generally start the, the class with, who is here today? <laughs> do, we, do we have a, a D tuned class or a C tuned class? And 
most of the time it was a C2 in class, so I didn't have an issue. But, um, okay. you know, and after a certain point, you can be flexible. I can play in D on this this C2 nuke without a problem. You know, the, right. the images are going to look different, but it's good practice. I've just stayed with, with C6 tuning and left it, left it at that. I'm going to ask you some questions about your your creative process. The first is technology. Um, what what devices do you use to make it? What apps or programs do you use to create your software? Um, and and what does that process look like a little bit? So I would find a um, a song somewhere that had the basics of the song laid out and it likely wouldn't been in the right key for even guitar. These, these books would take the capo music and say, Oh yeah, they're playing an E flat. Who, what guitarist is going to start up thinking E flat is where I want to be. They won't be doing that unless the singer says you need to play an E flat here and they'd be capoing up. But I don't find a capo you all that necessary for uke. So um, you need something to go off of. And then I use this um, tab paper, which is up on the website, which just sh shows you how um, how this looks and do it by pencil. And in this case, this is, I left my heart in San Francisco. I started out writing it in B flat. And then I decided, no, I wanted it in C. And then I ended up going back to B flat because of the way the chords fell out of your, out of your fingers. And then I ended up um, with, with this and even added these little, um, sort of arpeggios that, that are played generally on the piano. I sort of like those. I said, well, even though none of the, no uh, written score had those in there, I went ahead and stuck those arpeggios in there after the melody. I thought it'd be fun to see how it goes. And uh, it was fun. <laughs> and it's so, fun to play that way. So what is the app that you're using, or the, the program that you use to enter so, yeah, so I've I've got this written out piece piece of music, and I'm using um, because it's illegible to begin. <laughs> I couldn't play it hardly, and so I'm typing it into Guitar Pro Seven. Okay, and that's that. Then will produce something like this that is legible. Uh, you, I'm also creating these chords and putting them where they go. And I've decided that I liked having the, the cord over the, um, or the cord shape over the, over the tab. I like that too, Spencer. Um, we'll talk about it in a few minutes, but your most recent update to your website has been the addition of your wedding song book. And we talked about that really quickly yesterday in just sort of a pre-talk before we, we did this today. And I downloaded that today. And what I was noticing with those little chords you add is it actually shows you the shape that you need to get that chord. Because some of those chords are not necessarily super easy. 
You know, I mean, they're not they're yeah. not all the C chords. So if you look at those little shapes that you've added on the top, it kind of gives you a cheat to know how your fingers are actually supposed to look. It's brilliant. Right. I'm playing a uh, F shape B flat. So that's and it, it would show you that I and the ones where you don't need that, I don't I I was able to conserve space, maybe get something on one page, but I think it's very valuable to to give give you a visual for the shape and not just the, the numbers for the tab. So I've I've chosen to do do it that way. And you know, then if you also want to strum through the song, you know, you can just say, I'm not reading the tab, I'm just looking at the, the images and the chords, and you can one person can strum and the other one play the melody if you want. So I do that, and then the other thing that I found really useful is a, an app on um, my phone and my iPad called uh, Uchord. And you may or may not be familiar with that, but um, it allows you to put in a, okay, if I put these two fingers here and this finger here and this finger here, um, two, two, one, three, uh, it, it'll say D minor seventh or F six. And so it, it will sort that out for you if you don't already know it. And then if you're now trying to play a D minor seventh, it'll, it'll give you, Oh, okay. You can play it here and so forth. And so it's very useful for that. Even though you could figure all these things out, you don't necessarily want to put that much cogitation into this every time and sometimes you're just trying to see if, if something will fit so mm -hmm. the combination of those two things have, have made the whole thing cleaner i use the website uke buddy to do the same thing yeah so i go to ukebuddy.com and like a lot of times i'll know the chord i need that's the music theory training that i've got you know as my background as a music teacher I'll know the chord I need and I'll know which note I've got as the melody on the first or second string generally. Cause I try to, I try to make sure that I know you write mainly for low G, you know, most of your stuff is for, for low G or baritone. I mean, you could play it for either if you're just playing the tabs. Um, but I'll play it sometimes too in a high G, but when I'm doing a chord melody, I try to write it for high G so that then low G could play it too. You know I mean? It's, it's kind of mm -hmm. people then they'll just have a different note in the traditional notation that doesn't quite match. But if I know the note that I need, I know the chord that I need, sometimes what I can do is I can just go to like Uke Buddy, same thing that, that you did with the app. You know, what was the name of that app again, Spencer, that you use? Uchord. Uchord. So same kind of idea. And I can just toggle through and see the different positions of those chords and which one might fit best with that melody note. You know, and this it allows you to 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 say, okay, I want to see where the where the first string note falls in the number of the note or yep. the the letter of the note and you have all those options and if you do if someone does decide to buy that i would get the add-on package whatever you know it's i don't know what it costs but it's worth it so it's nope. not expensive but it, it's a it's very useful as a um backup for chord stuff and having it on your phone is incredibly useful having it right in your hand um what i was going to ask or talk to you about too before we take a look at your stuff is just the philosophy behind chord melody and here's where i come from it um i'm a singer 
I mean, I'm a trained opera singer. That's 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 what I've actually done. And I'm a tuba player. So um, when I came to ukulele just a few years ago to teach middle school students, ironically, too, that's how I started because I had a middle part of the year that I needed to fill in something. So mm-hmm. I, I picked up ukulele, um, fundraised to get a set and taught it to my students. Um, but where chord melody falls in for me is between the what you see at the strumming sessions where people are all you know playing out of the yellow book or the blue book you know the Jim Biloff stuff um but it's that next step for somebody that looks at tab and sort of freaks out but wants to do something with their ukulele other than just playing chords and it seems to me and again like you said there are levels of difficulty of songs you know too so um so for me chord melody fits in that perfect space between the full out like ukulele solos done by Jake Shimabukuru and, you know, Aldrin and all those people and just playing chords, chord melody fits in this wonderful spot in the middle where you can start playing chords and melody all at the same time. And just generally with your thumb, rather than having to worry about, you know, specific picking or what strings to pick. And it's just this natural Next step, it seems to me, for players that don't just want to play and strum and sing, which, by the way, I love strumming and singing, too. So sure. I, I, I'm wondering if you have that same thought about chord melody and also connected with that. W- were you a singer that also strummed or did you find yourself not feeling like as much of a singer, so drawn more to chord melody? I, I was kind of curious about that, too. No, I like to sing. I mean, I can, I can get along. I'm not as good as the other guy in the group, probably. Um, but we we uh, we put together a soul set. I, I did a soul book. I said, well, yeah, I, I was actually doing it for my reunion of all things. Hmm. And I said, oh, I, I, this is the music I grew up with. And then uh, so I put together this book and then uh, I got in touch with Uke Fest Virginia and said, well, our club would like to put on some sort of performance we found that three of us wanted wanted to perform at this uh, outing and we did three soul soul songs and um it was great i don't know i got got to um to play and sing songs that i never ever thought i would ever play i i listened to them i didn't even have the words right you know not till you write them down do you actually have the words right Right. But but to me, to be playing these songs that I danced to, that I sang to when I was growing up is just such a gift. And it's doable by practically anybody. If I can do it, goodness. I mean, <laughs> you know, it might take you some time, but I'm just saying it's so much fun. And every step of it is fun. So um, I agree with you. And, and uh, the chord melody piece, it's... Um, a little like slack key, you don't have the ringing strings below it, you know, and the and the alternating bass that, that's so so pretty in slack key. But uh, you can still play it and have it be very relaxing. You can kind of let the. I always put the words in the song, mainly just as a placekeeper. But if you wanted to sing it, it's right there. So, uh, you know, and some of the words are just incredible. You know, some of the lyricists are, were so talented from that era. 
Fantastic. I just recently found the work of Elizabeth Ragsdale. I made a video not too long ago about it. She's put together um, a collection of much, much easier chord melodies that all stay basically in the first position. Not that there's an official second position on ukulele, but you know, all that first basic chord shape. And she has made a collection of um, like really old songs, like from the Renaissance or in Baroque period, probably more Renaissance. She made a collection of hymns, of a hundred hymns. I saw she made that. A collection of a hundred um, folk songs in general. And I, I hope to, to get her on the channel too and talk to her about this. But it's all of hers, what I've noticed is that everything is in a singable. That's the number one thing is that everything that she's done is in a singable key, which is kind of, at least for me, I'm a tenor. So, you know, I, I tend to be not super high, but I'm, you know, like a second tenor. So I have a higher voice, but all of her songs, all those hymns fit right in my voice range. So what I'm having fun going through it isn't just always playing the chord melody, but also sometimes singing the because she put the chord shapes in there too. So that's pretty cool as well. But just it's kind of neat to see, you know, the the level of complexity. So where I'm going with this with you, Spencer, is this question, which is not all of your chord melodies are the easiest, which is that's totally cool and great. But my question for you is, is there any song of your own chord melodies that you find yourself to actually struggle to play well english country garden is no joke because uh every he the reason james is playing it at the beginning and he explained this to us you, you come in and you play something that catches somebody's imagination and says god i'd really like to do that and he told us that's what he's what he what he does and uh he did he didn't even tell you the name of the song. I'm telling you, I had to search around for, you know, it took me several days. Nobody knew the name of the song. I didn't, didn't ask James, but, uh, but it was a lot of fun to put together, but it has a chord for every, uh, every note. And uh, some of um, Reverend Gary Davis's stuff is similar, except that's a little easier to, to sort your way through, may have some new chords. But uh, it also has a long range all the way from the 12th fret down to the nut and then back up. So that's just the way that song's cre created. Um, but I, my intention was to try to make it as playable as possible. Mm -hmm. So if, if there was a, a way to go from here and then catch the next note there rather than down here to catch the B flat here, then I'd do it, you know, just to, yep. and I'd go through and play it and, what you write down the first time is not the way it's going to be at the end. No, I absolutely totally agree. I mean, it's, it's that challenge of saying, I'm not afraid to use chords that are up the neck, but at the same time, I, I don't want to have to, if I can make it a little easier for the player and sound just as good, I'll use a different chord shape. That's closer. That's easier to get to, you know, I, I totally agree. Still kind of needs to carry the melody on the top. Yes, that's that's the, the key. And that uh, that's I was amazed to discover that uh, Reverend Gary Davis is doing the exact same thing with his uh, gospel songs. Once you dig into him, he's playing some finger picking, but he is playing chord melody up and down the neck and uh, doing it with great conviction. 
Now, is that arrangement of of country gardens is that available on your site too? Sure. Okay. Go go for it. Uh, you know, is that in the collection or is that separate? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's in, it's in the collection and it's it's playable. I'm just saying, I, it's not. I can't play it at speed. You know, and I'm um, just curious, like if if you are one of those people that that's there are people like myself, I can think through and write anything for anybody like I, I could write something potentially for James Hill. But that doesn't mean that I could play it when James could. You know, what I mean, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was curious if everything you created is also stuff that you could just like pop off and perform because there are those people, you know. Well, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm not that, but I, I can play <laughs> everything in the book. I'm just saying uh, I can do that. Open the book to any page. I wouldn't put anything in there. I didn't like, and that I could go ahead and play it. It would not be at the stated speed or the recommended speed, but you know, I play it twice and most of them I'd be fine. I, I um, wanted to get better. And so what I did is I volunteered at a acute care hospital. I had 25 songs and I'd play these for, for patients who couldn't leave their rooms. I'd sit out in the hallway and, and do that. And uh, I closed with, uh, you are so beautiful to me, just because it's. So it's just such a simple song, but meaningful and emotive. And it's nice to close with something you're not going to screw up, right? <laughs> so so, you, so you start off with something that draws people in, and you end with something that you're not going to screw up. Those are the that, two rules that kills, <laughs> right? And uh, but the 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 third rule is to smile, okay? And the fourth rule is part of that not screwing up is big finish. Yeah. So if you finish big. People go, well, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Hmm. I don't remember the stuff in the middle, but that end was really, really very good. So I don't know. But I used to tell the kids that. James, James Hill stuff, did mm -hmm. he make you play Billy Jean as part of the, the James Hill oh, initiative? No, no. <laughs> I think he, you know, he's got the inside of his um, uke mic for that. And, uh, and you know that is such a clever song uh, <laughs> technique. It's like uh, Tommy Emmanuel. It's, if you watch some of his uh, YouTube videos, he's wonderful. You know, I've seen him several times, and what, what a great, um, great player and a nice person. I I've never aspired to play Billy Sheen, or I didn't. I didn't, you know, tab it out, for example. I was more interested in English Country Garden just because it was sort of captured your imagination and says, I bet you I can get that, you know, despite the fact that it's hard. So that's, I didn't do it to try to create something difficult. Yeah, Tobias Eloff, I don't know if you've seen him or Eloff. He's he's a guy, I, I think he's from Den Denmark. He studied with James. He has this this wonderful song called Lazy Sunday. That and he studied with James. He went and lived with James for like a year just to study. And then he was over in Hawaii, and that's where I ran into him because the ukulele site did their podcasts. So huh. um I, I saw him and his song that that song I just love, and I, I'm slowly trying to learn it. 
but it's going to be a while before I, because, you know, again, he's another master, you know, ukulele player. So it's, it's really fantastic. Um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Like you hear country gardens and you go, oh, that's something I can probably do. And that's the same thing with Tobias's songs. Like I can probably learn how to do that. It's just going to take me a while, you know, to yeah. pull together. And other people have tabbed it out. It's out there. Well, I think that's the uh, attitude that our students ought to take that, you know, this, all of this stuff is accessible. You know, it's just a matter of having clear, clearly explained and then directed practice. And sometimes it takes a, uh, like a, a metronome that you wear if somebody's having trouble with rhythm. And uh, I, for one rhythm exercise with, with the kids, I, I had a, a, a clap circle and had people actually go around and perform clap solos just because they would, there's no way they would sing anything or play anything. So this would allow them to express themselves in a solo situation and do something fun. So it's uh, it doesn't have to be ukulele to, to be music. That's absolutely true. Um, in fact, I mean, I, I was on the, the Ooktown podcast twice, but the first time I, I, I had emailed Stuart because he was complaining about the recorder and how it shouldn't be used in American schools anymore. And Pretty gross. Well, I, I like recorder for what it does, but... What I, my argument to, to Stuart was you can do recorder and you can do ukulele at different times. And in fact, at some point you can even do them together. They don't have to mm. exclude each other, you know, and it doesn't, you know, it's not just, and that's with, with all of music. And that's, that's where I've really changed in my life is I used to think there was one way to do it, but it's, it's the ukulele itself really changed my own thinking about how music is done watching people and you've seen it too people coming back in their 50s and 60s to actually making and singing music without having a music teacher on hand necessarily sure you know right. and learning from in communities and participating in communities and it's like that's that's what the goal of music education always was but we kind of lost it somewhere now don't get me wrong bands and choirs and orchestras are wonderful they're wonderful but there are so many people that never make it to band, choir, and orchestra. And I've seen so many people that didn't do that come to ukulele and just find a musical home. And it isn't just ukulele, right? It could be drums, could be right. anything. But but boy, the ukulele really lends itself to that, which is pretty cool. So music is sort of a bottomless pool. And so you can find all sorts of things there that'll turn people on. The group that I was teaching in Calgary is called the Calgary Association of Lifelong Learners. So <laughs> everybody was over 60. They were all delightful. So, and they were all getting it. It's the other thing. The younger kids today, what they want to do, and, and there's just as many kids that are in their teens, right? And in their 20s that are playing ukulele too. But what they do is they record themselves and drop it on YouTube and they share it in a different way. They don't do it in in the community sense that like older people think of community right now, their community is this online sharing of themselves, which is, is yeah. different too. And I think for a lot of those students and those kids in that age group, I think chord melody is that next logical probably step for a lot of the work that they're doing. You know, even if it's playing, I mean, really, if you think about it, 
the beginning of Here Comes the Sun that everybody wants to play, that's chord melody too, really. Mm -hmm. The way that it's it's really played and the way that you played on ukulele. So, you know, it's it's kind of cool. Now, I was going to ask you before we also got to the your website for you to talk about your instruments that you've made a little bit because I, I didn't even know that you made instruments. We talked about that really briefly yesterday. So do you want to talk a little bit about your it's barefoot ukuleles? Right. This, I put it on uh, a Facebook page. I'm not really trying to sell them, although I've sold several. Um, I've made 14 or so um, tenor ukes. And uh, if you look at the barefoot, B-E-A-R foot ukuleles uh, Facebook page, you can actually see this one. And um, you can I'll see this. The selection of this backwood, and then um, you know, you sort of make a box, and then you write out this channel, the binding channel, and now you've got a, uh, a cut out of your box, and you need to to bend this ebony binding back, and also the purfling, and um, then this has sinker redwood top, and this was a lot of fun to make. And uh, I made it for my daughter, so she's gonna have it come love that. next next spring. And uh, you know, it, it's certainly given me a better understanding of what it takes to make a quality ukulele. And um, I got to work with Jay Lichty, who is has pushed the envelope of of instrument making. And he had a great attitude towards making mistakes. You know, you would think that a luthier never makes a mistake. Not so. What happens is something happens that's not, that's imperfect. And then they fix it. They use a little ebony dust, a little uh, CA glue, sand it over. You can't see it. So uh, Jay always call it, it's just, just part of the process. It's like life, you know, if you make a little error, you just fix it and keep on getting it. And I love that because it can be, uh, if you make an error on something you've worked on for a hundred hours or something, you'd care. You know? Do you want to, um, I mean, there are a couple things we could do. First of all, do you, do you have any other ukuleles that you're working on creating right now? Or is there anything in your shop that you're you're building? No, I just just finished these, and um, I am going to get back in the shop. I've been working a lot on the uh, on arranging. You can't do both at the same time. I mean, it's much better to spend all day in the shop or all day arranging uh, than it is to try to do both things at once. So I am looking to get back in the shop. And I've uh, cleaned up a number of, of things that I needed to on the website. So I'd like to get to that. Yeah, I let's think. do that. I'm, I'll bring up that. And let's see here. For now, that's both of us and your website. Okay. So this picture is of a ukulele that's over there on the table. I'm in Hawaii. I'm just holding it up. This is uh, just beautiful. Uh, which I've tried to, let me see, I'm going to have to get over here. There we go. So, so the people th listening, by the way, this is ukeeducation.org, U-K-E 
education.org that he's showing us, which is his website of all of his various resources. So it's organized into songs, which is over here on the left-hand side, educational material about learning music and learning the ukulele here, and then other web resources over on the right. And these are ukuleles that I've made. Uh, probably the most um, clicked on link is this one, which is to chord melody songs. And um, this will come up and show, uh, this is about over 200 chord melody songs that um, this one I played for, uh, for James. We were uh, as part of the, his uh, testing program, I was using flat, flat pick. I thought Charlie's my darling would be a, a great one to be able to flat pick, pick your way through. It was a lot of fun to do that. So it's in the chord melody um, group. Can you describe what flat picking is? Yeah, you, let me see, here we go. So you use a guitar pick and you have just a little bit sticking out, but past this plane right here. Um, I don't have, I don't think I've got one in my pocket. Don't have one in my pocket. But the, the point is that you are just taking it and, and using the pick like this sort of twisting your your wrist and and forearm rather than picking with your whole arm like you might do if you're, you okay. are strumming. And um, I learned it from a great flat picker, but that is the most efficient way to do it. So you're picking down and you're picking up and you're moving back and forth. And you can certainly flat pick a ukulele just fine. It sort of has to go with the, uh, with the song. Yeah. Um, so the rest of these are chord melody songs. Let's uh, let's look at English Country Garden and see why I was so blown away by this. So we're starting up here at the 12th fret and you've got chords all the way down, all the way back up. And, uh, and then I was able to arrange this bridge part. So it's a fun song to play. This. Uh, the one sort of hiccup with this uh, software is that it does not want to put a bar behind other notes that you're, you're fingering. So I, on some of the songs, I put a bar four, which just means you're playing a, a F shaped a at the fourth fret and you've got your pinky on three frets higher. So um, that's the way the chord melody, individual songs work. Um, I also organize these into songbooks, which is the next tab. This includes some Hawaiian uh, songs, just as an example here. Um, so this has some American songs. It's got Love Me Tender, Ashokan Farewell, uh, which is a great song for chord melody. Um, yeah. And it has some Hawaiian songs in here as well. Uh, some Willie Nelson. Uh, Crazy is is one I tabbed off of a uh, Fresh Air segment with Terry Gross when she was interviewing Willie Nelson. And I said, I bet she's playing that up the neck somewhere. And I just pulled it right off of his, his performance there. 
And mostly he uses arpeggios in order to fill in spaces after chords. But it's, it's a great song that in nightlife. So those songs are in there. And then I um, also organized over a hundred songs into a great American songbook. And then this is a combined uh, chord melody songbook, which is bigger. And uh, so this one is 328 pages long and it's alphabetical and it has, you know, I got introduced to all sorts of new songs by um, sort of listening, keeping my, my ears open and um, Scotch and Soda, for instance, uh, was written by an unknown piano player somewhere, but it's a great play on the ukulele and St. James Infirmary, obviously an old blues song. This was a lot of fun to put together. Is and there I a particular the, song that's been the hardest to arrange? Oh, I don't know. I left my heart in San Francisco since I did it completely twice. Uh, that was pretty tricky. But some of it, um, you have to to fit it to the instrument. And it, I'll quit if if it is not working, you know. And um, unless I just really love the song and I'll figure out a way to, to make it work. But... Um, most things you can, it'll, it's surprising how well sometimes the chord will fit underneath the melody and just go, gosh, that is just so cool. I have enjoyed making them into books like this. So it gives you something to take with you. You could also just bring up the same sort of uh, book on your iPad. So that works fine. And uh, this is the chord melody part of it, uh, which is this. There's also a Christmas book. Uh, I remember working on these all these songs. I was in Boulder looking at the Flatirons and um, when I was doing these, visiting my daughter. And, um, you know, it would give you something to play around about Christmas time and you can sing along with it if you want to. So that is the chord melody part of it. Then uh, this next part are books that are um, not also can be done up like this, but this is a Grateful Dead song book, for example. Uh, and uh, there's a blues song book and the blues workshop that I talked about earlier. I worked up this fingerstyle book. There are about 50 songs in there for fingerstyle. It will take you into some songs that require you to to actually play the melody along with what your uh, the rest of the chords and then some are just finger picking patterns that work with these songs and that's the way the song was played um and it's there's also a tutorial in that book the reverend gary davis book i've talked about and this ukulele wedding book i um was asked to play a wedding at my, my uh, stepson's wedding, and um, I could come up with about three songs, you know, off the top of my head. And then I ended up with a 50 page wedding book song that included Purcell and um, My Girl in the same book, which is not usual uh, uh, to, to have a trumpet voluntary and uh, 
love me tender uh, and what a wonderful world. So I, that, that was really fun to put together. Um, I've only looked at that one a little bit because we, we had talked about that last night and you had said that it was out. So today I downloaded that. And one of the things I loved was in your Pachelbel's Canon, you've got some double stops going on. So that's kind of fun to, to, to work through, you know, switching your fingers around for those double stops. So there's all kinds of neat things to learn in there and some really sweet arrangements. I think you had mentioned that it's hard to believe that some of those are actually for ukulele or they sound like ukulele or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, a trumpet voluntary sounds okay on a ukulele. Who would have thunk it, right? Of course, <laughs> I've, and I went to school up where the Washington Cathedral is. So I've, I've heard that stuff played on the, the great uh, organ at the cathedral. And we snuck up into the, the top of the cathedral where the organ pipes are. And uh, it was, um, it's amazing you can play it on the ukulele and come out okay. I've got a, uh, these are ukulele lead sheets, which are just songs that, uh, that I've put together. So each one of these would be, uh, uh, this is the Dylan arrangement of this. So these are just lead sheets. Um, and that'd be sort and, of like the Dr. Uke stuff, right? Cause he does mainly lead sheets. Yes. Yeah. And then I've got a, uh, a section of baritone uke material. And uh, I think one thing that's wonderful about baritone uke is that if, if I'm teaching my grandson, he can already, he's, I've been teaching him a couple, three years now, he finger picks, he can do a lot of stuff on a tenor and I want him to transition to feeling comfortable on a guitar. And I think baritone is wonderful for that. So you, I think it's great that you've got those resources. I mean, there are only like three or four baritone resources on on the web. And what I find amazing about it, Spencer, is that you don't play a lot of baritone, right? Well, I've got, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, but I can arrange for baritone and uh, they're not just the same. There's not just like you say, the same tab with different chord um in some cases they might be, but in general, they're each arranged for baritone and the Christmas works okay. And I reworked the baritone blues workshop as well. So that was good. This, um, the, the center section is sort of about how to learn how to play ukulele. I've got this basics book that has embedded songs that are appropriate for, for beginner players. Um, I think I started with row, row, row your boat, which is a pretty, uh, metaphysical song. If you really think about the words, you know, <laughs> we didn't really get delved too deeply on that one, but, um, <laughs> I w managed to get uh, a lefty together and also a baritone, uh, basics book. And then this is the scales and chords that I was talking about, which is a PDF that has Bothius and um, Pythagoras right here and the great James Hill. And these guys who never saw any written music, probably, you know, you talk about Gary Davis, that's somebody who did not learn to read music off a piece of paper. So you, but uh, we talked about this earlier using 221, 2221 to get a scale and then 
how to write other scales, what hap happens to make a major chord. You know, it's all accessible and should be progression and something that you understand. Once you've got that, you can then take uh, caged is for a um, for a baritone. F D C A G is caged shapes for tenor G C E A, and this just takes the shape up the neck and shows you what you can do with these shapes and what happens to them when you move them up the neck, or if you then take this shape and move it to the next shape and the next shape and the next shape. And so it's basically, this is getting you up the neck and letting you understand where these uh, chords come from. So in other words, that's just talking about the, 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 the it's another way of describing movable chord shapes up the neck. Ex exactly, these five okay. chord shapes. F, yep. D, C, A, and G are caged if you want, except you wouldn't use E for a ukulele, uh, not unless you wanted to lose friends. And so, um, anyway, but this this can this will be useful for uh, for somebody who's who's kind of got it going and now wants to to learn. Well, what does it mean to move up the neck, and how how can I start to get into that and so it's a very useful uh, thing to know. What I've what uh, I found, Spencer, is like there are people that will say, well, I don't like going to ukulele jams anymore because they keep playing the same songs and I already know how to play those chords and it's not challenging to me. And my answer then is, well, then learn the chord shapes up to the next position on the neck and the next time you go, play those chord shapes instead of the, the ones you played the last time. And challenge yourself that way, and, and keep building yourself as a player. That's that's what I tell people. Absolutely. And this this FDCA chord shapes too. Then it, what it does is it adapts this type of thinking, chord shapes, to soloing. Mm. How could you use the chord shape to solo? And I'd say the same thing to the person who's now bored. Say, you know, I'd like to play a solo after the second verse. Is that okay with everybody? <laughs> and you know there'll be a couple people who will sing over them probably, but that's okay. Uh, and you just you know just play the chords. I'm going to play a solo, and if you're ready to do that, you have moved into another category for yourself. So uh, for a lot of these books over here, uh, like this old time and bluegrass book, a lot of time I have the melody written out in tab. I've typed it out underneath the lyrics and the chords. So it would give you a place to start with your uh, solo. Oh, that's awesome. So you could just jump in. Okay, I see. Now I'm on the fifth fret. Okay, if I'll just play blues box of the fifth fret, find the, the melody, Every, we're all good now, you know? And so that's that's given to you there. I did some work up on strum intros and then this warm up. I decided to put that in there. There's mostly arpeggios, but it was something to do while you're waiting for your Zoom call to start. If <laughs> so, you could play arpeggios. Cool. Um, I just want to mention a couple things on this web resources uh, 
tab. Everything is the same under that. I put a couple of people that I like their teaching style. One was Glenn Rose. Another one is the late, great ukulele Mike Lynch. Let's see. These stopper knots, I tend to forget how to tie that stopper knot. If you have a, uh, a uke that has pegs in it, you might need a bead. You might need a big knot. This, these are two ways to, to address a, a stopper knot, in other words. Some things about humidity and how important it is to have your uke humidified in the winter in a uh, something in the case. Um, and then some tools over here. This is the ukulele tab and cord paper, which is a PDF that I got from the Uke Boutique in Amsterdam, of all places. But it is great to work with because it puts these places for you to, to put the chord shape if you need to or the chord name above what you're writing out. And it's uh, back and front. So that's pretty fun. Uh, fretboard learning tool. Here we go. So um, Brittany Pavia uh, once told me, well, you know the first string, don't you? You know all the notes on the first string, right? And you're kind of nodding your head and going, yes, no, uh, yes. And it is amazing that a lot of people don't know the notes on the first string, but would be greatly benefited by learning that. Just that. Because there's two chord shapes that are based off of that, that root on the first string. And this is something I got from Lamb Chops Ukulele Cooking. So I credited the lamb, lamb Chop here. And uh, she came up with CFAD. I had come up with uh, Goats Can Eat Anything. So that is one that I made up when I needed something for kids to remember. And no one has ever forgotten that one. I mean, I'd ask kids six months later, they could still come up with Goats Can Eat Anything. I know there are a lot of other ones. The other benefit the, to this, I do the Pokemon one. The Gotta Catch Them All. That that kids know Pokemon. That's that's the one that that I always use. How about people that are clueless to Pokemon, like? Uh, yeah, but I, you know, I'm teaching I'm teaching elementary students. They all know it. <laughs> okay, got it. So this is a practice sheet, and yeah. so the it's it's on the other side of this uh, PDF. And, you know, you, it, this is in the key of C, but it would be nice to know that you, you've got at the fifth fret, you've got C, F, A, D going across. This is a, you know, F6 chord. Um, and at the seventh fret, you've got this and you could make a mnemonic dog bone here and cat fad if you wanted there. And you could learn to fill this in. But I think it's probably better to, to sort of get rooted in the first string and then use chord shapes to work these out. But anyway, that's another resource that's on there. That's, uh, and it'd be good as an assignment here, sort this out, you know, write me a, a, a fretboard in the key of G now, you know, how would you go about doing that? I put some other resources here that, that folks might want to use. So, I've just had a blast doing this and met a ton of, of great people, played music more than I ever deserved to, more than I 
even knew I wanted. And um, like I say, I, I was so surprised that I could could play stuff that I used to only be able to sing, sing along to. Uh, I actually played um, beautiful Kauai. I was giving a medical paper at a convention with 500 people in the auditorium. And I asked the president, would it be all right if I did something a little different? This was in Maui. So I changed it to beautiful Maui. I played ukulele to start off the session. And, you know, everybody likes something different. So it was a successful go with that. And right now I've ordered a Boss Street Cube amp, which is something new that you can uh, sort of Bluetooth with your phone. I'm anxious to see how that works out. Maybe you can do a review of that once it shows up. Very cool. Now, where can, I mean, obviously we know ukeeducation.org, but where else can people find like where you would do that review or, or things like that? So we already talked about, you can find Barefoot Ukuleles, which On is B-A-R-E, right? B-E-A-R. B-E-A-R, bear, like bear, like the animal, barefoot ukuleles. But where are you, can people find you on YouTube or other places? Well, I I think I'll be putting more stuff up on YouTube. Like I say, I want to put a song I wrote. I've got a song up there about uh, the streets of Toronto. It's a takeoff on the streets of Laredo. Um, I'm, I'm singing that. And uh, that was the one I wrote and didn't get, didn't get to sing because I didn't get to go. But, uh, but it was a lot of fun to write nonetheless. And, uh, you know, I may put up more stuff from that. I've got more recorded. I just haven't necessarily put it up on YouTube, but I don't know. I, it's not really about me. It's, it's, I, the way I feel about it, I wouldn't have to have my name on any of this stuff. I would just like to see people use it and like to see them succeed at learning music and, and, having fun playing ukulele. It doesn't matter as me. Well, I just, I appreciate you coming on today because number one, your resources are fantastic. I've, I've enjoyed playing them for the last couple of years. Absolutely. Um, with the loss of, of Mike Lynch, as we talked about, you know, or you mentioned, um, you know, he has those wonderful chord melody books, but he's not going to be making any more. Um, Elizabeth Ragsdale just added a whole bunch of, of stuff to what's available out there. But a, a number of the websites have even folded that used to be available. I can't remember the Duke of Uke or whatever website or whatever, dis, Duke of Carl or whatever it was. That mm. one disappeared with all those resources that are no longer there. Um, you still have the Ukulele Hunt website that's still out there. But yeah, if you want to get into playing chord melody and doing things, you've you've given us all just this amazing gift. And I love the fact that people can put a face with the work that's behind it too, because you do, you do play, you, you, you do kind of skim under the surface a little bit, not for any bad reasons, but just like you said, you don't, you don't need the the huge recognition to do your work because you just enjoy doing it, which is, which is great. Well, it's, it's been a blessing to, to be able to have this to do in uh, retirement, even though I didn't plan to do this, you know, this is like, Oh, okay. I'm going to be a music teacher. Oh, okay. And then these kids needed teaching, and now you know, I'm going to be a middle school music teacher, okay? And then the, you know, I found out I enjoyed arranging music and could could actually teach myself how to do it. I've had so much fun with this that uh, retirement has sort of blown by for me, and uh, I'm so glad I retired. 
you know, it's medicine was wonderful. I worked with residents and medical students and, uh, you know, you've been an educator, you know how much fun that is and uh, how fulfilling that, that, that all can be. But at some point you need to say, okay, I need to move on. You need to have a new teacher and um, I need a new challenge. And this has been a wonderful uh, chapter of my life. Oh, I had two real quick questions. The first one is, um, how do people know when you've updated stuff on your site like this, the songbook has been updated or something like that? Uh, it would have uh, a different name, probably okay. a slightly different name. Uh, if, if I play through something and see a, a, an error, I will go in, fix it, fix the songbook, re-up it. So that's the beauty of the web is you have a, not a, a document that's printed and cast in stone. It's dynamic. And so it can grow and, uh, you know, you might change your mind about how you want to approach a, a uh, introduction to a song. Um, so that that's a blessing. I like that part. So how often do you find yourself uploading a, a new version? I don't know. A couple times a month. Maybe. Okay. Not Just the whole curious song, how often people new, should new like stuff. check it's new. The other question I had for you is what's what's your next project? What what do you see coming in the near future for you? Well, let's see. Uh, I just did uh, From This Moment On as a song, uh, another chord melody song. Uh, this, uh, this wedding book took all of my attention for several weeks. And um, I need to play through this. I need to prepare myself to be able to play this in front of people. And you, you know, want to talk about that and, and what yeah. you're getting ready for? Yeah, it's a, it's my uh, stepson's wedding. It's going to be out in nature in uh, Arizona. I may have this battery operated amp with me. I don't know if I'll be able to get it on the plane or not, but I'm thinking about that maybe. You know, it's, it's different playing by yourself. It's different when somebody else comes in and sits on the couch and now you're playing and they're listening. That's different. And then it's different when you're playing for six people and then you're playing for an event. It's still different. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be good enough and you have to make it enjoyable for everybody. So uh, I hope to come to a uh, an agreement with them on exactly what song list they want. And then I'll play what I intended to anyway. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the background stuff I might do, you know, I might know better than that. Oh, no, but I'll, whatever they want coming down the aisles, what they're going to get. But the uh, the trumpet voluntary is such a, a great leaving song. Boy, that makes you up and okay, we're done. We're out the door. There are no doors, of course. We're outside. But <laughs> anyway, I think that's a great closer for a wedding. So awesome. I was... Uh, Pleased to find that and then remember uh, all the times I've heard it before and amazed that I could actually play it on ukulele as usual. Really enjoyed talking to you, Chris. And yeah, thanks um, so much for joining me today. It's been great, great to visit with you. And maybe sometime we'll get a chance to meet you in person. I hope so. Come to Virginia. Uh, well, we were down and we'll be doing a lot of trips to Florida, but that doesn't usually get us up to that Virginia no. side of things too often. So, all right. Well, thanks okay. for your time today, Spencer.
Hang in there. All right. Aloha. Aloha.